Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, January 13th, 2020, my sister Katie's birthday. Happy mm-hmm. birthday, you're not listening to this. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, I have a two-part story about what I did on Sunday. Okay. The first part we'll talk about now. The second part we'll talk about at the end of the episode. The part that we're going to talk about at the end of the episode, though, is the setup for the first part that we're going to talk about now. Confused? Don't be. Love a 20-minute setup. Yeah. On Sunday, I drove out to Vero Beach, Florida to see a production of Thoroughly Modern Millie at the Riverside Theater, which is the largest professional not-for-profit theater in the state of Florida. They do great work. We'll talk about more about that later. I'll do a little quick review at the end of the episode. But on my way out to Vero Beach, which is about a two-hour drive, um, for the most of that, I listened to an episode of one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, it's from Vulture. It's called Good One, in which the host oh, yeah. uh, the host talks to comedians usually, and they go in-depth and break down a single joke. And they, I think I've even talked about this on the show before, but they take a joke and they talk about from inspiration to the writing Love to the that. execution. It's really, really good. It's like Song Exploder for jokes. Ooh, exciting. However, this episode I listened to, I'd been saving on my uh, my phone for a while. It actually came out in August. Um, and the reason I didn't listen to it is because it's two hours and I don't have time to listen to a two hour podcast, but this was perfect. It was an episode where instead of breaking down a single joke from a standup, they broke down the running joke of Natasha Leone's character's deaths oh, in the Netflix comedy that. Russian Doll. Yeah. And they spoke with playwright and director Leslie Headland, who sounds- was the head writer and the showrunner and one of the executive producers, along with Leone and Amy Poehler. Um, I feel like, did we talk about Leslie Headland like last week or something on the show? Uh, I feel like we might have, but I can't remember why. We might have when we brought up Russian Doll when we were doing our end of the year review. Oh, maybe. Maybe that might be it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, she's brilliant. And just listening to her talk about everything that went into this really unique show and I, I would obviously I even forgot that I we did that so yeah I had it on my top five list of TV <laughs> shows last year so I loved Great it show. Um, yeah really really good really smart and she talks about her days uh, as like an NYU directing major talking about how like she always saw mm. Waiting for Godot as a Marx Brothers show and how she did oh, that nice. for her senior thesis and just really really great episodes so if you like that show especially but if you like listening to playwrights and people like this talk about something that is really really complex when you talk about all of the different intricacies that go into russian doll the tv show highly recommend it i will link in the show notes i i love that show and i loved this interview i i've heard of the podcast but i didn't know that's what it was about that's really cool i like that yeah it's great it's really good i recommend one to start with if you need like an on-ramp one that's really really good and surprised me at how good it was because i am not necessarily i'm not not a fan of this person but i'm not a huge fan of this person. The Ray Romano one is fantastic. Oh, interesting. Okay. And, and I have nothing against Ray Romano. I, I don't. Just I didn't. Re- oh, thank you. I don't see it. Stop, Siri. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Siri I, I, also uh, answers big, to Ray Romano. Yeah, big. Uh, <laughs> what's a Patricia Heaton fan there? <laughs> uh, but it's really good. I I never really watched. Um, Everybody loves Raymond, but I kind of watched a little bit of Men of a Certain Age, which I thought he was really good in. Obviously, mm, he was in Parenthood yeah. and was really good there. But it's a really good episode if you need like an on ramp to that. But 
we have now talked for four minutes about nothing theatrical. So before <laughs> we get into bit. the news, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Leslie Headland's a great playwright. Exactly. Uh, but before we get into the show itself, we will remind you to head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. I think we're picking up steam on this um, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist thing. So oh, my exciting. Yeah. Jen, Jen um, listen, or watched the episode last week. She really liked it. So now trying to see if we can figure out a way to do some updates uh some not weekly because it's a network show and we don't you know we, there's no need to like recap every episode yeah, no but maybe a, after every two or three um and maybe do that as a as a patreon series so if you have any other ideas feel free if you are a patron head over there and send us a message and we will see if we can make some of those happen but ashley now on to the news of the day First up on Friday, the upcoming Broadway premiere of the new musical Diana announced the rest of its casting, joining the previously announced Gina DeWall, Roe Hartramp, Aaron Davey, and the great, the wonderful, the one and only Judy Kay will be Zach Adkins, Tessa Alvis, Holly Ann Butler, Stephen Carrasco, Bruce Dow, and more. The show will begin performances at the Long Acre Theater on the Broadway on March 2nd. Next, from one musical about a princess to another musical about a princess, last week it was announced that the Right Honorable, the Lord Andrew Lloyd Webber's new adaptation of Cinderella, will come to the West End this coming fall. The show, which features lyrics by David Zippel, who I don't understand why he hasn't done more recently, because he's so brilliant, um, and a book by actress, writer, producer Emerald Fennel, will open at the Gillian Lynn Theatre in September of 2020. This show will actually replace another recent ALW hit, School of Rock, which will close at the house on March 1st. Lawrence Connor will direct, and the rest of the cast and creative team will be announced at a later date. And finally, on Friday, New York City Center Encores announced the complete casting for their upcoming run of Jerry Herman's Mac and Mabel. Joining the previously announced Douglas Sills and Alexandra Soka will be Major Attaway, Michael Barisi, Lily Cooper, Ben Fankhauser, Evan Kasperzak from So You Think You Can Dance, of course, Raymond J. Lee, Soft Power, and more. The show is scheduled to run from February 19th through the 23rd. Ashley, are you planning to head over to City Center? Yeah. I know. Anytime Lily Cooper's in anything, it makes me excited. So much so, yeah. uh, Are you planning on seeing this one? I hope so, yeah, especially uh, after Jerry Herman's passing, unfortunately. I think uh, when we talked about that, I said that this... uh, sadly is a good way for them to start their season and Mac and Mabel so rarely produced. I'm yeah. really looking forward to this one. That's an incredible cast, especially as you said, Lily Cooper, who we adore. Um, but yeah, I don't have tickets yet, so I'll have to squeeze on in there soon. Yeah. They did announce that this production is going to be done in memory of, of Jerry, of course, right, of course. Um, whether they confirmed that officially or not, that would be, uh, it, it, an it, is, it is no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. But they did. That is part of their, their Good. media materials now. Good. So, uh, it's dedicated to his memory, but all right, Ashley, let's get into this week's theatrical schedule. First up on Wednesday, we have the first Broadway opening of 2020, and that is the play for Manhattan Theater, Manhattan Theater Club, My Name is Lucy Barton. 
This, of course, is a very limited eight-week engagement coming to us from the West End, starring the great Laura Linney. It is by Elizabeth Strout, but adapted from the novel of the same name by Rona Monroe, and is directed by multiple Olivier winner Richard Eyre. The show is a one-woman show, but it has to do with a woman who has a conversation with her mother. Um, so I don't really understand if it's going to be she's playing multiple parts or not, but um, we'll have to wait and see. that's I'm, the deal of it, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to stay away from when shows transfer. I try to stay away from too many spoilers. Um, right. But either way, uh, I'm sure we on seeing it. Exactly. So this show is playing the Samuel J. Friedman Theater and is currently on sale through February. Get this. 29th. 2020 is a leap year. So uh, there you go. An extra day. (laughs) Um, Then on Thursday, January 16th, we have two off-Broadway shows beginning performances. The first is from the Roundabout Theater Company, and it is the new musical Darling Grenadine. This is a a roundabout underground production, so all tickets are $30 only. This is the first musical uh, of the decade for Roundabout, and it has a book, music, and lyrics by Daniel Zachik. And uh, has a really interesting cast. It, it has Adam Cantor, J. Armstrong Johnson, Emily Walton, and more. Those, really I good mean, just cast. Yeah. one of those people would be really fantastic. Get all three, and, yeah. I know exactly. And interestingly enough, Michael Barisi, who is in the cast of Mac and Mabel, is the director and choreographer. Very nice of this busy. show. So busy, busy. He will be very, very busy. Um, but hey, I'm super interested in this one. I think. Uh, I think Adam Cantor has one of the best voices on Broadway. No kidding. Uh, his yeah. song in in uh, the band's visit, right. where he just literally stands there the rest of the show and does nothing, and mm. then comes out with um, waiting. Was it? What is, is it? Is that, is that te- the name of the song? I can't think if that's technically the title. <laughs> yeah, the, but telephone guy. Um, so so good. So that's the first musical that begins performances on Thursday. The second is one we talked about last week, and this is from the new group, Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. This features a book by Jonathan Mark Sherman, music by Duncan Sheik, lyrics by Shank Sheik and Amanda Green, choreography by Kevi- uh, Kelly Devine, and it's directed by Scott Elliott. We learned last week that Suzanne Vega would be taking over the role that Duncan Sheik was actually going to play in the show. He will no longer be a part of it, but uh, uh, Suzanne Vega, who I'm sure will creep me out in whatever uh, she does, just like her song Tom's Diner did, will be joining Jennifer Damiano, Anna Noguiero, Joel Perez, and Michael Zegan in this show. That's a be- effectively about partner swapping. So, fun. Love that, yeah. Love that. Love, um, <laughs> love a good old Polyamorous uh, swingers musical. musical. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Wasn't there, what was the... Uh, what was the musical from the 60s that was about that? Um, Company. No, no, no. <laughs> it was one that was actually Sorry, about... Sorry, it was I the 70s. Remember. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, we also have a ton of closings uh, on Sunday as we continue the trudge through January. I'll just hit the four main ones. The first, of course, is... is we, are we still calling it Sexy Oklahoma or are we saying the Oklahoma that... F's, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, (laughs) Sexy Oklahoma will be closing on Broadway on Sunday, as will Slave Play, which is also the play that F's because... Correct. You don't... Yeah, you... Yeah. Um, If you haven't seen Slave Play, just to be able to have seen it, I think you have to see it. Um, And I think that 
Jeremy O'Harris has said a lot of very interesting things on Twitter in the last few weeks. Some of them I agree with, some of them I do not. But I think that being able to see his Broadway debut as a playwright is going to be one of those things that you talk about be decades a fool from now. If you miss the show, absolutely. Spell absolutely. it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then we have two off-Broadway shows that are closing that got tremendous reviews. The first is Samuel D. Hunter's Greater Clements, which is closing uh, at Lincoln Center Theater. And then the uh, encore uh, run, the return engagement of the Vineyard Theaters, Is This a Room, directed and conceived by Tina Sater, will be closing as well. So four phenomenal shows that you need to see if you haven't. So uh, a lot of things to hit this week for you theater goers uh, in the New York City. Run around. Yeah. Why don't you give me the run around? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a little blues traveler. Um, all right. Last week it was announced that Emma Pittman had won the internet contest, The Search for Roxy, which, seriously, if you're going to call it The Search for Something and you're just going to rip it off from The Search for the Next Elle Woods, like, be a little more creative. Correct. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, she will be making her Broadway debut as Roxy Hart in Chicago later this year. After submitting videos online, she, along with fellow finalists Kate Gulata uh, and Khalifa White, who is a University of Central Florida graduate, and she was in the ensemble of, of uh, The Prom, they were put through a Roxy boot camp and auditioned in front of other judges from casting. But uh, some of the big-name judges were Anne Ranking, B.B. Newworth and Bianca Mariquin, like Never just heard of them. three, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just three big time Chicago legends. Yeah. Um, the dates are not yet set for Pittman's turn as the Mary Murderess, uh, but it will apparently be this year. I don't know if it'll be sooner rather than later, but they've got some desperate housewives or, so. or yeah. whatever they're not. What are they? It's not death. They're not desperate housewives. Real housewives. Uh, real, housewives yeah. real housewives. Real housewives. Real housewives to uh, either one. To throw in there. Same yeah. thing, really. <laughs> pretty desperate but uh in other news (laughs) ashley remember last week when we talked about musicalized tv series i Uh, do well well, we're getting another one and this time it's on its way from amazon (laughs) it will be called nobody's princess which it's a show that puts a contemporary spin on classic fairy tale princesses that's never been done before what an original idea never the (laughs) the writing team of alan zachary and michael weiner will supply the songs as they did for their broadway musical first date which honestly i thought did not get nearly enough appreciation on broadway a lot of people didn't like it they thought it was kind of base and probably better as an off-broadway show which is probably true but i did not see it on broadway i I love the cast album but i've seen a regional performance it is hilarious i thought that show i've never seen it with zachary levi and krista rodriguez um i thought it was really really good i still listen to it it's one of the few i probably only have like 20 albums on my phone but that's when i keep on there because there's some really really good songs but apparently this show will be a quote irreverent musical comedy and the princesses will be a quote group of friends in their 20s who are setting out to create their own happily ever afters even if that means crappy jobs hangovers and one night stands that's what we want so the usual <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i mean uh, again if, if there's a market for it i guess yeah the the this news came through my feed over the weekend and i was like didn't we just talk about this uh influx of musical series mm-hmm. yeah again not i'm not mad at it i know I i'm like, very excited i just contem- I, I hope contemporary they all spin have on a classic- point of view <laughs> Contemporary spin on classic fairy tale princesses. Like, let's put yeah. that with Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. Mm. Like, just let's just chill for a while. Revive Gallivant. 
Timothy Amundsen. I love I, I, Timothy Amundsen. <laughs> Timothy, yeah, and he's recovering from a stroke, and so anyway. All right, Ashley, let's finish off the show with my review of Thoroughly Modern Millie at the Riverside Theater in Vero Beach, Florida. Um, what I will say about this is, is I went into watching this show with a really keen interest on knowing the fact that Encores is going to be doing this with a revised book yeah. later this year. So I really wanted to kind of focus on just how problematic are some of the things in the show. And and yes, it is problematic in and Mrs. Mears, um, who actually was played um, by Adina Alexander, who was in Kinky Boots on Broadway for six and a half years for the entire run on Broadway. Nice. She was fantastic. That character's problematic, but I also don't think that it's super problematic if you cast, like, Anne Harada in it instead. Like, if you put Anne Harada right. in that role, I that's, think it becomes a little... That usually ends up a problem for, you know, across all media. Of if, yeah. you're casting, <laughs> if you're casting the people that maybe should be in the role, then it's an or, entirely or, different story. Or if you just put Anne Harada in everything, yeah. it will be better. I think um, that's the main way to go with everything. Yes, let Anne Harada play everything. Do it. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I mean... I think one thing that we have to remember is is that looking at this show through 2020 sensibilities is much different than, A, 2002 when it was on Broadway or in the sure. 60s or 70s whenever this movie originally came out with Mary Tyler Moore and Julie Andrews. Um, and I, I get why I don't think that that was necessarily seen as a big deal back then. But it is a, a bit problematic now, and I did cringe at times in here. But I really don't think that the changes that need to be made with the book need to be that drastic. Um, I... It, That's a it, plus. It, yeah, I'm not, and it was I'm not overly familiar with it, so I have to yeah. rely on what I have read of it for now, yeah, at it, least. Mrs. Mears is really problematic on her own, but I think if you cast it with an Asian actress, um, it becomes less so. Um, it's still probably still problematic, but this is coming from a white guy, of course, so don't take my word for it i would don't trust people who are actually all, yeah. yeah i mean just in general don't <laughs> listen to white guys but I, I think listen to the people who are impacted more but it didn't strike me as bad as i expected it to but anyway um abby church played millie she was most recently seen on broadway in uh white christmas and she was in um uh, uh how to succeed in business um she was very good but what reminded me about that role is is that you have to have somebody who has it and that is the reason why this show led to Sutton Foster becoming the star that she is is because she has it Abby Church was very good she sang it right she danced it right she acted it right but she didn't have that spark that 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 pizzazz, that's something that made X her stand factor. out as something. Yeah, and that Sutton Foster always has. I saw Sutton in concert last month, and there's just something. She walks on stage, and whether it's her smile or her all shucks, um, self-deprecating kind of personality, the awkward gangliness she has. I don't know what it is. There's just something so endearing about her that I think that's really what makes made her Millie so unique. And while every Millie I've seen since then has been good, They've never really captured me. I haven't really cared about Millie. Um, and again, Abby Church was very good, but didn't have the it factor. Um, I do want to mention a couple of the other folks um, in it, including uh, the actor who played Trevor Graydon was Matthew Hidzik, who was just seen on Broadway in The Share Show as Greg Allman. Um, so some great ah, casting down yeah, there. Pretty good. Um, 
really, really good. Again, Adina Alexander, very good as a very problematic Mrs. Mears, but very good nonetheless. Um, Miss Dorothy was played by Victoria Britt, who apparently is one of the rotating Annas in the Disney's Frozen Live at Hyperion Bay. Um, so you can see her there uh, as well. But a really great cast. It's just one of the things that always strikes me about the shows at Riverside Theater out in Vero is... If you know anything about Vero Beach, there's a reason they only do shows from fall through spring because that's when their main clientele is in Florida ah, because they go yeah. back up north for the rest of the year. Um, so they do things the very yeah. yeah, because they're <laughs> snowbirds and they're they're old. It's an older audience, and they especially in their main space, their larger space, they do things in a very traditional sense. They do not take a lot of risks with their stagings. Everything else is by the book. They, if they could mirror things from the original Broadway production, I'm sure they would. But it's very safe and consistent in terms of the directing choices. That works for them. I wish I could see a little bit more of something different in the staging or the interpretation in their shows, which is just not what they're doing. They don't want to do that. They do that a little bit more in their smaller space. But I'm always longing for that a little bit when I see their bigger shows. Um, but they're always done sure. super, super well. And as I've talked about, Orlando Theater is not great. Um, it's not bad, but it's not great. This is definitely worth the two-hour drive if you are a Central Florida Theater fan to go out to the coast, uh, the east coast of Florida and see shows there because they have such a high level of execution that everything I've seen there is good. I just wish that there was a little more oomph behind them um so that they were great but see that can be your producing slash directing goal for 2020 is just get involved with them oh no they are way too big (laughs) i mean they they gave us a thing on like send them this This... send them this episode (laughs) this production hold on on, let me pull this out of the trash because i threw it away um this production, it was an insert in the program. This production cost uh, $1,377,870. Pocket change. So they don't, they don't need it. Email Scott Rudin. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Well, all right. Actually, that is all we have for today. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. Thoroughly Modern Millie is playing at the Riverside Theater in Vero Beach, Florida through January 26th. Um, Although, while I said uh, there were some things I wish they would do a little differently, it is a phenomenal show and a great production. So if you are in the area or want to drive to the area, I highly recommend it. So um, don't forget, you can also head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash Patreon. Um, I don't know what the schedule is this week, um, but someone will be with you tomorrow. I'll be we uh, about recovering that from cats the whole week. Oh, we didn't talk so, about that. Uh, we'll, we, we'll talk about we, that later. We, do we need to? <laughs> I mean, I think that says enough. Oh, 